We do love you. Amen. Take and drink. Imagine for, for just a moment a Rubik's Cube. Uh, there are only a few different things you can do with a Rubik's Cube. One, throw it in the garbage. That's my preferred method. Two, you can rotate one face. Or you could rotate a different face. Ooh, to, be, to get complicated, you could rotate them the other direction. This is not very hard stuff, right? This is, it's, it's simple. It's very conceptually easy. There's only a few things you can do. This isn't some sort of calculus, right? Josiah has tried to teach me how to do Rubik's Cubes. He knows how. And he says, Dad, it's simple. You just do this. And then he does things with his fingers. I'm like, I don't even know what you just did. You spun things and you moved things and now things are lined up. It makes no sense to me. The concept is easy. Super easy. You get the red side on one side and the white side on a different side. But the actual playing out of doing a Rubik's Cube is not easy. In fact, a three-by-three three Rubik's Cube, which is a cube that's three, si three pieces up, three pe or up and down, three pieces across, and three pieces deep, has more potential combinations in it than there are known atoms in the world. Just to give you an idea of how big that number is. Uh, the concept should be really easy. You just put the colors on the right side. The actual doing of the concept is very, very difficult. Today, that is exactly what we have. Conceptually, very, very easy gifts. Practically, incredibly, ridiculously complicated, hard gifts. Serving and giving. Right, those are the two gifts we're looking at today out of Romans 12. And, and I was telling Julie this morning, this has been a hard sermon to put together because it's so simple that it feels condescending. It's not intended to be, so if anything feels condescending from me in this process, no, that's not the intent. The concepts are so basic, we all know them. What is it to serve? Well, serve. What is the gift of giving? Guess what? It's giving. Uh, what more is there? Those are the gifts. And then how we use them is incredibly difficult. So let's define these two gifts. And then let's look at some concepts that will cover both of them. The title of the sermon is You, Not Me. That's the idea for the whole morning. These gifts are particularly about you. Now, we've talked about that being true for all the gifts God gave us, the spiritual gifts, so that we could use them for other people. They're not used for ourselves. But giving and serving are particularly other-focused 
Because you serve other people, you give to other people, nothing toward yourself, just toward them. And these two, as we talk about the concepts of them, will frequently be done with the expressed intent of having no one know that you did it. What is serving? Serving is the, the doing of an act with or for another person. Something that you don't have to do. Uh, there are times where we do things because we have to. That's not really serving. It's obligation. It can still be serving. You can still be using a gift of serving in that obligation. But there are things that you do because you are obligated to do them. When Allison's out of town, I do not serve her by cleaning up the dishes that I dirtied while she was gone. I am obligated to try to get all of that done before she comes home. It's not, it's not a gift of serving, it's obligation. And there are times where we're obligated to do things. Now within the church structure, within the church family, there are times where we, we have obligation because of commitment to do a thing, but it can still be serving. Uh, we have to make sure that we're clear with that. But serving is the doing of something for or with another person, a task particularly. And we see that gift listed in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. We're going to come back to this passage. If you're not familiar, there will be most of our verses on the screen. There's also a QR code in the bulletin. If you take your phone and you put your camera on the QR code, it'll take you to a a list through you version that will give you all the scriptures that we use for the morning. First Peter chapter four, verses 10 and 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as to one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God might be glorified through Jesus Christ to him be glory Belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Uh, it's important out of this passage to recognize that your serving is an act of stewardship of what God has given you. That's what serving is. It's an act of stewardship of, of resources that you have, giving is similar, resources that you have used for someone else. So, so then what is the act of giving? What is the gift of giving? As we look at the gift of giving, we're really looking at the offering of your resources to another person for their use. That's what giving is. Uh, very basic. Giving is the offering of resources that you have to another person. Those resources may be financial. They may be time. They may be effort. And this is where giving and serving can overlap a lot. Your giving to another person could be serving them. Right? When Allison and I moved into our house, there were people who gave of their time to serve us in getting our house ready. It was both giving and serving. They didn't give us money. They gave us time and effort and skills and abilities that we didn't have. And they served us in that process giving and serving. Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow 
widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has given more than all of them. For they contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put it in all that she had. Now this is not a sermon on giving. Uh, This is not on the command of giving. And certainly we are not saying to you in this moment, give beyond your means so as to offer more to us. That, That is not what we're saying. What we see here, though, is the widow giving funds to God that pleased God more than the abundance of funds given by other people. Why? Well, it's important to remember that God does not need your money. Let's repeat that. God does not need your money to accomplish anything that he wants to. He's not in need of us to supply funds so that he can accomplish his purpose and goal. He gives us the opportunity to take part in that through the giving of our funds, through the giving of our, of our gifts. But he is, not, he is not waiting on us to do that so that he can act and do what he desires to do. He's not a man that he should be constrained in the same way that we are. Well, let's, let's look at some concepts. Because if we, if we miss the critically basic concepts while under trying to understand both giving and serving, we will not understand what we're trying to, or what the scripture is telling us, and we will not then live it out. We may live out components of it. We may be able to take certain right steps, but those right steps would be more acts of trying to comply with God as opposed to acts of love toward him and his people. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. That's the purpose statement, right? Don't do it in order to be seen by them. For when you... For then you have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret may reward you. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, says that Paul is writing to the Galatians, and he says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? The same concept. Now, Paul's is particularly about the preaching of the gospel and what people were seeing as he was preaching it, that he's not trying to make people happy. He's trying to give them the message of the gospel. But the concept is the same. Am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. I couldn't serve Christ if I was trying to please people because by serving Christ, I am not pleasing people. Back to Matthew chapter 6. It's the idea of, of your right hand and your left hand not knowing what each other is doing so that your right hand isn't trying to get your left hand's approval. Now, obviously, my, my, my hands don't have brains. 
My, my right hand doesn't approve of my left hand nor disapprove of my left hand. It's a hand. But in the concept of us being a body made up of many members, it's don't let this component know what this component is doing because you're not trying to get that component's approval. Whose approval are we going for in all of this? God's? In the giving of our funds, which would include the serving of people, it's the same idea. We are not trying to get other people to be happy with us. And this is where it gets hard. Because we like people to see what we do. We like people to know that we did this project over here. We like people to know that we gave money to this over here. In fact, we put names on things so that we can let people know who put money toward what things. It's a great fundraising tactic. But that's not even the point in the morning. Our giving is supposed to be done so that God sees and only God sees. But, but, I remember one time we were driving away from church in a car, in our car, my parents' car. I was, who knows how old, under, under 18, so this is somewhere between 20 and 30 years ago. And my mom and dad stopped the vehicle and told us that they were going to do something that we couldn't tell anyone about. But now I'm telling you about it. Blast. <laughs> Statute of limitations, I'm pretty sure is up for this. So they stopped and they pulled up next to the youth pastor and they gave him an envelope with some money in it. How much was it? Not relevant. But they said, we know you need this. And so they gave it to him. Why did they do that in front of us? Because how am I, as their, as their disciple, as their child, right? They're discipling their children. How am I ever supposed to see what it is to give if I never see them give? So then isn't that breaking this out of letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing? No. Why? Because the whole purpose of this statement comes out of verses 1 and 2. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. If other people see you do it, but your goal isn't to be seen by them, your goal is to do the thing that God has called you to do because you love God so much that you want to do it, then you do it. And they showed us what it meant to give. If we skip down, we come to a, to a passage that, that is super easy to realize or forget the context of it. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21 says this. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But what is the context of that passage? Now, even if you want to argue that Jesus didn't sit down on the top of a mountain and give these three chapters as a sermon in order, the Holy Spirit, Christ's Spirit, still inspired Matthew to put it together in this way so that we would see a comprehensive picture of what Jesus says the life of a Christian is to look like. 
And so when we come to Matthew 6, 19 to 21, and we see this laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven where God rewards you versus treasures on earth where man rewards you, it should remind us back, of verses, back to verses one through four where it talks about being rewarded by God who sees in secret as opposed to people who see in public. And now this whole idea of storing up treasures is doing it so that God who sees in secret rewards whenever he chooses to. Uh, those are the concepts that we have to keep in mind. If we want to talk about the gift of giving, if we're going to talk about the gift of serving, we have to keep in mind that we are doing this, A, because we love Christ. We're doing it, B, so that other people don't see us. And C, so that God is the one who gives us a reward. And those get progressively harder for me. They get progressively harder for most people. Uh, not all people. Why? Why is, why is this result over here easier for some people than it is for others? Because God's given them the spiritual gift of serving or of giving. And then the spiritual gift causes their gift to be used more easily for the right purpose. Not that it can't be used for the wrong purpose. Let's not mishear that. But when we have those spiritual gifts and we utilize them, it is far easier to utilize them in such a way as to use them right than for us mere normal people who don't have that gift, who, who love Christ and want to do things that he's called us to do, so we try to do those things. But deep down inside, we want other people to see that we did them. Because we don't like it when people say, I, I know a leader one time who, who always got accused or frequently got accused of never serving or, or doing the cleanup work at events that were going on. And, and through interactions, this was an issue for them. They, they felt the issue. But the reality was this person was serving and doing things when nobody else was around. But in those moments, there were other things that they needed to do. That was a big lesson for me. It was while I was in seminary, and I learned, I learned some of how that works. Now, you can overuse that, right? And we say, oh, oh yeah, I don't need to help out because because I helped out the other day and nobody, nobody knew it. So now I don't need to help out now. Now we're keeping score in our own minds, trying to figure out how much we can please or not please other people. And now we're back to not accomplishing this last part of it. Like I said, it gets very complicated. It's easy in concept. But trying to actually take our broken selves and move from broken person to loving Christ and doing things for him Serving and giving and making sure we are not doing it so that other people look kindly upon us for it gets very, very, very hard. So the gift of giving. Let, let, let's just go to that one. We've got this, we've got this passage where, where the widow comes and she, she puts in a few small coins into the coffers. Ah, whether that's equatable to two cents or two dollars, it doesn't matter. It could be equatable to two hundred dollars, but we're comparing it to the enormity of gifts given by other people. And they're putting in large sums of money 
big wads of bills, basically, so that other people would see. You know, we, we live in a culture where we can, we can give to Bethel on our phones. Nobody ever knows what we're doing, which runs a problem in the discipling of our children, can run a problem in the discipling of our children. But for a long time, we've been giving with checks in envelopes. And when you take a check and stick it in an envelope and stick it in the offering box, as your child, do I have any idea how much you're giving? No. A check could be worth one cent or a million dollars. It's the same size piece of paper. But back then, they didn't have that. So they put in gobs of money, pursefuls of coins, or as the little lady did, the two smallest coins that they could have, or two of the smallest coins that they could have. But keep in mind, God didn't need her two coins to accomplish what he was doing. He took her two coins and used them however he wanted. I mean, this is a God who took five basically happy meals and fed 5,000 people. The math doesn't work because he doesn't need it to. He doesn't need your food. He doesn't need your money. He can accomplish what he chooses irrespective of that. And that's what we have. We have him wanting or calling us to, to desire to give of the resources he's given to us. But how? How are we supposed to do that? Let's go back to Romans chapter 12 because this is one of those where Romans 12 gives us a picture, a specific picture of what this gift use looks like. Romans 12 verse 8, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes, gives with what? Generosity. You want to figure out what the gift of, so we're all called to give. That is, that is clear and simple. We are all called to give. The person with the gift of giving, the spiritual gift of giving, one of the markers that you will see in them is that they give beyond needs. It's easy for us to say, oh, your need is X, I'll meet X need. Sometimes that's the case. Don't take this general idea as broader or bigger than a general idea. But sometimes, when possible and when, the, when the, the means are there, you don't give just barely enough. The person with the gift of giving gives generously, which means as often as they can, to the greatest extent that they can. Not only to the person in the most need, but they give with generosity where they can. That doesn't mean you empty your bank accounts. Again, do not take this bigger than what we're saying. When you have the gift of giving, these people look for opportunities to be generous with what they have. Finances, time, energy, whatever. Generosity is that marker. And then in their giving out of that generosity, God works not only in the needs of the people who receive that, but in the hearts of the people who receive the generosity to accomplish his purpose, which is what? Making his people like him, like Christ. 
And he accomplishes that through the giving of these people. And these people with this gift, they not only give with generosity, but they give without anybody knowing about it. On purpose. Why? So that the only person left to thank is God. Last year, somebody kept sticking little gift cards to 231 West Patisserie in my box. I have no idea who it was. There was no name on it. So I used them. And I never thanked anybody. Why? Well, if you're sitting out here now and you gave them to me, thank you. Again, statute of limitations type stuff. But, But the reason... No, let's say that in a different way. If that's your gift, and you give a gift card to somebody without telling them who it is, and then you go home and you think, he never been told people thank you for that. Uh, that's what we do. We are, we are inherently doing this because of our brokenness. But if your spiritual gift is giving, it doesn't matter if you receive a general thanks for a thing. Because you're not doing it for the thanks. You're doing it for the Christ. That doesn't mean don't be thankful. We're told to be thankful. We're told to, to tell people we're thankful. But if you don't know who it, in this case, if I don't know who the gift came from, make your best choice in those moments. There are times where you have opportunity to thank people because it just makes sense. There are times when you don't because it just doesn't fit But again, that's not the point. Because as soon as we start delineating out what are the rules of when you write a thank you note or when you make a phone call or when you send a text, we're all of a sudden missing the point of generosity and the use of a gift of giving. Because the use of the gift of giving is that Christ is honored, God is pleased and sees in secret, not that you receive a thanks, not that you receive rewards, not that you receive applause or accolades that Christ is honored. Again, we're not talking about manipulating people into giving beyond what their means are because God doesn't need your money. And if he doesn't need your money, you don't have to give beyond your means. Provide for your family. Notice the, the person who did this was a widow. One of two things would have been true culturally. Her children would have been taking care of her or nobody was taking care of her. And if nobody was taking care for, of her, she had decided that she was going to die and she gave the last bit of her money to God. If her children are taking care of her, then she's relying on them and she's giving everything she can, the last bit of whatever she had left to God's work. but she wasn't giving the last of her money so her children couldn't eat, right? Let's make sure we're hearing all of that clearly. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 8. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully or generously will reap bountifully. Each one must give what he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God wants us to to determine what it is that we would give and then give that cheerfully, happily. Uh, 
those concepts. Everything we just said about giving applies to serving, uh, albeit indirectly, but applies to serving as well. And now we're to take this serving in 1 Peter 4.10 says to use it as a stewardship of the grace that God has given to us. We now serve other people, again, for the glory of Christ. Not for the thanks of people, not for the recognition of people, for the glory of Christ. And if you serve well, no one may ever know. So know in your mind, know in your heart now that you could do the best you could ever do at serving the most people in the most ways and nobody may ever know. And if you're not okay with that, your heart is in the wrong place. Serving is pretty straightforward. We do things for other people so that they don't have to do them. We do things for other people because we value them. We do things for other people because we value Christ who values them. We do it without grumbling and complaining. We do it without unhappiness. We do it without irritation. We do it when it's inconvenient to us. We do it when nobody is left in the building to watch. We serve. Why? Because God has given us the opportunity, the privilege of doing things that maybe other people could do, but so could we. And now we can value them because we're doing this thing for them. John 13, 12 to 15 is a picture of Christ doing this. And when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments, he resumed his place. And he said to them, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for I am so. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you, you an example that you also should do just as I have done. An example of serving one another. Did Jesus serve when no one saw? Not in this case. There were at least 11 other people watching every time he washed somebody's feet. Then it was written down so that we would know. How can he do that? Because he did not practice his righteousness before people in order to be seen by them. He was seen by them, but that wasn't his purpose. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 is the command to us. For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Now, the person with this gift, this gift of serving, is going to follow all of these principles, all of these boundaries. They're going to serve to honor Christ and to be glorified by him and rewarded by him, not by anybody else. They're going to do it when nobody else is looking. They may never be recognized or seen by other people. But somehow, the people with this gift see all the right ways to serve other people that mean the most to them. The rest of us see opportunities where we could clean up a table or, or do a task for somebody. The person with the gift of service 
chooses all the things that matter the most and, and impact the person the most deeply, even if they don't know who did it. The thing that was done for them meant a lot. And God uses his spirit to guide those people so as to use that gift to its greatest efficacy, its greatest effect in the hearts of his children. Giving and serving are intended to be outward focused, other focused. Giving to other people with generosity, serving so as to cover needs but never be recognized for it. If you have those gifts, they are invaluable to us. Use them in whatever ways you can to be generous to the people who need your generosity. Use them to serve people in whatever way they need to be served for the love of people and the glory of Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity we have to talk about, to look at, to engage with, to think about serving and giving to those in your body, your family of people. God, we ask that you would be pleased with us. We ask that you would be most honored and glorified through the things that we do. We do love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.